0: Folks, It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Thanks, folks, for joining us this morning on Democratic Perspective. Um we have a i guess it we call us a frequent guest um uh calling in from um Uh, from dc mac richmond he's the president and ceo of the national committee to preserve social security and medicare they've been around for quite a while i think they were established by roosevelt's son originally or at least he was a big part of it and they've been active in trying to protect and expand social security and medicare since their inception i mean that's really Um, As a a non-profit NGO, that's been their job. Uh, Max, are you there?
1: Thank you for having me on your program. You're correct. We were founded in the early 80s by a former congressman from California by the name of James Roosevelt. He had served in the House uh, for quite a while and and, uh, retired and was concerned about what was happening to Social Security in the early '80s uh, under the new Reagan administration, and he felt that it was important to preserve his what he felt was his father's greatest legacy, and his father was President Franklin Roosevelt, and that legacy was Social Security. So that was about uh, almost 40 years ago that the organization was founded.
0: And we talked to Max pretty much every. Uh... Every year, I think last time we talked to you was in September of last year, Um, governments um, like the Social Security Administration stuff are very, very bad at outreach and political engagement. And whether you're talking about the Forest Service here in the the Sedona area or stuff – Those folks are never good about defending their positions and protecting the the legacy that they're involved in. Uh, Many times it's rules. They can't say this or that, but they also are just not oriented toward getting out and defending and explaining uh, what something is. And so I really think that the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare is a great idea to have an organization whose focus and, and, and doesn't have a direct connection with the government, whose focus is to protect these institutions. And uh, uh, Max Richman you've, you've led the organization for quite a while now,
1: right? Well, I've been the, I've been the president and CEO since 2012. Um, And uh, uh, prior to that, I was uh, the executive vice president. I started my career in the aging world as the chief staff director of the U.S. Senate Committee on Aging back in the mid and late 1980s. Um,
0: What's happening now? I guess the big question is that that Biden has put in a proposal, 400 billion dollars. To increase, well, you tell me what it's about, and we'll we'll talk about the chances that this program, which I think when folks hear about it, it seems like a wonderful idea of keeping the elderly and the infirm in their homes with home health care, like they do in much of Europe, rather than packing them off to um, um, homes and stuff for the elderly. Um, Almost 200,000 People in nursing homes and care facilities and stuff died of COVID in the last year. So um, these these institutions, while great in lots of ways, are also you know problematic in terms of, of disease. So uh, Max, what is this? What is this Biden program? Why so much money does he in this in it, and what does it entail?
1: Well, the, the President Biden's infrastructure bill, which is being hotly debated in, in the Senate right now, uh, has some really important pieces uh, designed to anticipate not only the large number of seniors we already have in our country, but the, the huge influx of seniors that we expect in the near future that are going to require uh, some assistance, some care and those, the details are still being ironed out in the, in the congress but uh, you well you know how you have so many seniors in your state of Arizona nationally uh, 60 uh, people that turn 65 10,000 every day 10,000 additional people turn 65 every single day and that number is going to grow uh, exponentially uh, we're going to probably see double the number of seniors that we have now by 2015. And the population over 85 uh, is going to triple in the next uh, 25 years or so.
0: By what date again, Max? What's that? It'll double by what date? By 2050. By 2050. Right. Good. I, did, I heard that wrong. Yeah. All right. So
1: what and is let the me Biden? Say, you, you explained it and you're opening very well, seniors not only prefer to be at home, they're more comfortable, it's less expensive, and these days it's much safer. But there are some serious uh, shortcomings in in having the ability to keep them at home in terms of uh, those individuals that need to be brought into the caregiving setting as as employees And what the Biden proposal does is devote a lot of money, $400 billion. That's a big chunk of his infrastructure uh, uh, package. And that is devoted uh, to keeping people in their homes should they choose to do that. And and everyone I've ever met that's been in a nursing home would rather be at home. But uh, there isn't enough money. in the the medicaid program to accommodate that this proposal the president has been uh... included in his infrastructure package would uh, would take care of that by uh... providing additional funding for uh... home care workers uh... i don't know if you know this but uh... home the salary for home care workers on average is about seventeen thousand dollars per year And many of them require some form of public assistance because they can't make a living off of their salaries. Programs like food stamps. So the Biden infrastructure proposal would essentially extend a program that is now called "money follows the person," in which a Medicare, a Medicaid recipient can receive home care instead of uh, and also people with disabilities I should mention instead of being in an institution this 400 billion dollars would go to states your state and other states uh, by expanding this program this Medicaid program and making a large increase in funding available for home and community based services
0: what exactly would is included in this? Is it uh, support
1: for salaries, for Absolutely. education? It's not just salaries, which is important, but uh, benefits, uh, uh, paid leave, which is not uh, usually uh, available to those employ uh, home care employees. Caregiving is the fastest, I'm told, is the fastest growing industry in our country, and and we're going to need, and this is according to the Paraprofessional Healthcare Institute, very, very reliable nonprofit, we're going to need an additional 4.7 million home care employees over the next, in the next 10 years to accommodate those individuals who need care at home, who choose to remain at home.
0: I know that in Sedona, because I've been talking to uh, a family uh, who need to have, uh, you know, occupational therapists and so forth and stuff come into the household, how hard it is to find reliable help or any help at all. Uh, Sedona's average age, I'm told, and I haven't double-checked this, is is gone up to almost 60 years old. So we're, uh, we're a population here in Sedona, but also in the whole Verde Valley. It's very much dependent on social security and and these kind of uh, programs. Uh, it seems like just such a wonderful and also economically efficient idea in the long run to have people drop by the uh, the people's homes. I know they they do this in in Europe for all kinds of problems, from maternity leave uh, and uh, support to um, to working with the elderly. Um, They'll have somebody come by, you know, a couple of times a week and monitor the situation, make sure the uh, person is all right. But this is this this process, folks, is is probably happening to somebody that you know is dealing with these issues of uh, moving to a home, moving to a care facility that's not really a nursing home, um, or or getting someone to come in and help care for for a relative. It is it is just literally. In elegant way to put it, all over the place.
1: Yeah, well, you know, you're not alone in Arizona. There simply are not enough home care workers in this country to meet the demand now that exists now. For in many places, uh, let alone in the future when there'll be so we just discussed there, there will be so many more people that will need this kind of care. And you, you know, you, we we talked about uh, uh, improving the salaries. That's that's critical because one of the reasons there aren't enough home care workers is uh, is the, the uh, salaries are so pitiful. Seventeen thousand on average a year, uh, and that is uh, compensation that is not going to attract uh, enough workers to uh, serve those that need it in our country. Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that I find so amazing is we are relying on um, on unpaid caregivers for older adults all across the country. Uh, I've read a study from Harvard University recently that 40 million Americans provide unpaid caregiving for an older adult, and that has some serious consequences for those people who are providing that care. They're mostly women. Uh, What is not understood well is those people uh, that have to leave the workforce often to provide this care for a parent or maybe a spouse's parent, and when they leave the workforce, they're not paying into Social Security. They're unpaid caregivers. The formula for determining your Social Security benefits is is based in, in large part on the number of quarters that you pay into the program. When you leave the workforce, you're not paying in your benefits, not only are you not making any money when you leave the workforce, but your benefits uh, are going to be reduced because you're not putting in uh, the, those quarters that are required. And, again, this affects mostly uh, mostly women. So there are, you know, maybe we can talk about some of the proposals that have been discussed in the Congress over the last couple of years that would create a formula a caregiver formula, where if you leave the workforce and it's documented that you're doing so to provide care for an elderly person or a child, uh, there's a formula where some credits will be applied during that period to your Social Security uh, um, structure, so that you will not lose uh, not only lose on, because you're not making any money while you're doing so, but you won't lose uh, in terms of what benefits, once you reach uh, Social Security eligibility, what your benefits will be?
0: Yeah, I know uh, several people. In one case, uh, the woman moved. Uh, it's usually the daughters, right, who who end up doing these really long moves. Moved all the way from California to Kansas to take care of a, a relative. And it's very, very common, and and people are doubling up. And I read somewhere... It, People spend a lot of time. You know, they spend hours, uh, tens of hours a week in the caregiving part of their their work, even if they're working full time. I mean, if a family, uh, a nuclear family, if they have to take care of older relatives, it takes a lot of their time and energy, as as well as cutting down on, uh, on time that they could be doing other things, including, uh, you know, getting ahead in their career or whatever.
1: Absolutely. You know, you, you started the interview by uh, talking about this component of the president's infrastructure uh, package. And I have to say right now, everything, uh, that whole package is, is up in the air. Uh, there are ongoing negotiations uh, between the White House and Senate Republicans about what should be included. Uh, there are some probably some democrats as well as republicans that feel that uh, this kind of uh, package on home care is really uh, stretching the definition of infrastructure and and there would, be, there will be a lot of pressure in the next uh, in the coming days to if there is to be a compromise uh, to drop this big ticket item 400 billion that's a huge part of this package and I think that would be um, that would really be tragic because I talk, you know, we talk about uh, uh, aging infrastructure. I think we should also be talking about the infrastructure of aging, and this home care piece of the president's uh, plan is really addressing the uh, issue of the infrastructure of aging.
0: I think that's a, a really useful way to describe it. I know the Republican opposition is is obviously infrastructure is about bridges and roads and highways and right. railways. It is not about uh, helping the elderly. It's not about home care. It's not about even some of the money put into the proposal for scientific research. Infrastructure in the narrow sense is uh, that people have thought of is just all physical item. And, um, so you think that when they when they begin negotiating with the Republicans, or they're continuing to do so, right, Max? The negotiations are ongoing now.
1: Going at this moment, I believe that there are meetings taking place in the White House.
0: So. This proposal is in danger of losing out because it's the broader sense of, of, of infrastructure that's kind of new to people. And, and In fact, I know some people who say, well, you know, it's a great program, but it's not really infrastructure. What's your response to that?
1: Well, the argument is that it does not um, home care. And by the way, this $400 billion is about 20% of the cost of the uh, president's infrastructure plan. So it's a big, big-ticket uh, part of the plan. And Republicans make the point that uh, this is not traditional infrastructure. doesn't fit the parameters of, uh, of uh, roads, bridges. Uh, but I think it's important to give President Biden a credit for trying to uh, prioritize uh, home care, elder care, in this package uh, we have been facing uh actually refusing to face the challenges of uh, of a rapidly uh, aging population for decades and this is going to only get more complicated as life expectancy uh grows as birth rates fall and we're going to have more seniors needing more care with fewer young people around to provide it so uh it, it is being this idea is being challenged because it does not fit the traditional definition of infrastructure. But I think it's it's a uh, a plan that is, is its time has come. I think, and hopefully, uh, the president sticks to his guns and we'll, we'll keep this in the uh, final agreement.
0: Yeah, I don't even know um, the position of one of our senators. Kirsten Sinema has uh Cursed Cinema is even supporting this part of the program? Um, the, the margin in the Senate is so narrow. It's very narrow in the House. It's even narrower in the in the Senate where it's fifty fifty. So. Why, I know this is too broad a question, why, Max, can't we solve the most important prog- programs to it? Like, Social Security is probably the most important government program for the American people. You know, it helps you if you're disabled, it protects you, it protects your income. If you if you lose a parent, it provides uh, income them for retirement. And so many people in Arizona have no other retirement plans maybe they've saved money maybe they're doubling up maybe they're have, have already paid off their little, their house or whatever but you know why can't we solve why can't we seem to solve the most obvious programs like like uh protecting uh, social security right. why is that so difficult
1: well as in most things here in washington it it sort of comes down to money and priorities, Uh, and we have been, as a national senior citizen organization, trying to spread the word, like I'm hopefully doing with you uh, in this interview, that this should be, as you just talked about it, uh, a priority. Uh, This program, Social Security, has lifted more people out of poverty than all other federal programs combined. It, it's, it's been a huge success. It is self-funded. It's funded by the payroll tax. Uh, we are going to get to a point, if there's no cha- there are no changes in the law, in Social Security law, by 2034 or 2035, benefits will be, have to be reduced about 22%. We can't let that happen. They're because small already. The, uh, the program has a reserve right now. That is going to be uh, drawn upon over the next 14 years, and we'll get to the point where the reserve won't be there. That does not mean the program is bankrupt. The only, and we hear that often it's bankrupt, it's broke. That, the Social Security can only be bankrupt if we had 100% unemployment and there was no money being paid in payroll taxes. That's not obviously not going to happen. But there will be a, a solvency problem in about 14 years unless things change. Now, what we advocate, and I think is a reasonable approach, is not cutting benefits. They're pretty meager as it is. I think the average benefits about $14,000 a year, a little over $14,000 a year. Uh, cutting benefits is not the answer, I don't think. The answer is bringing more revenue into the program, and I think the best way to do this is to address the cap on wages subject to the payroll tax. As you know, right now there's a a cap. Uh, It changes a little bit every year. This year it's about $142,000 in wages. After that, no more payroll tax. Why? what we would support eliminating that cap altogether. Politically, that's probably not possible, not realistic. But what may be more uh, feasible is to keep the cap at what it is, and as I said, it changes a little bit every year, but start collecting payroll tax again at $400,000 in wages. This would be consistent with President Biden's um, not to raise taxes on anyone earning less than $400,000 a year and would bring in enough revenue to make the program solvent for many decades to come. So I'm hoping that be, there was a bill in the Congress and in the House. I think it had over 200 co- co-sponsors, a companion in the Senate last in the last Congress. Uh, the uh, supporters of that legislation are working with the Biden administration uh, White House to iron out a a, a final package that the president will agree to, but we need to do this now. We don't want to wait until we get to 2033 or 2034, and then we're really going to be faced with a huge crisis, because uh, people that are living on Social Security, if you told them your benefits are going to be reduced 22% next month, there would be outrage and just and, and justifiable outrage around the country. So I'm hoping we can uh, get the support of uh, uh members of the House and the Senate. Uh you've got a great uh, uh members of in, in your delegation. Um, we supported Senator Cinema. I went out to Phoenix to campaign for her when she ran and I hope she'll uh consider some of these uh uh I think fair and reasonable uh, solutions to making sure the programs sound, not just for the next 14 years, but for many, many decades to come.
0: It seems, I guess, for somebody out here, Max, it seems like a no-brainer to just fix Social Security. And it, it, I'm looking at statistics that say 48% of the workforce in private industry has no private pension coverage at all. Right. And I think in Arizona it's probably quite a bit higher than that, in rural Arizona, higher than Arizona generally, and and yet we can't seem to solve these problems. Um, what's the opposition to it? Just economic? Why would you Why would you not want to? Well, the Republicans, I guess, will never want to increase taxes on the wealthy, I right? right. I mean, that's it. it's that simple.
1: Might as well say it. You know, yeah, they just will never do it. And. And their preferred um, solution is to cut benefits, wow. which I don't think uh, is acceptable. And it's not just simply uh, reducing the benefit. Some of it is not that apparent. Uh, there, there are, I've, I've heard of uh, proposals from Republicans uh, to, uh, to deal with the solvency issue by raising the retirement age. Well, we've already done that. Uh, the last time, as I mentioned, we had Social Security legislation. The retirement age went from 65 to 67 gradually. It'll be 67 for everybody soon in a few years. <coughs> so we've already raised the retirement age, and and that don't don't be a fool that this raising retirement age is not a cut in benefits because it is. If you have to wait another two or three years to get your benefits, your benefit, the, the amount of money you receive is less while you're collecting. So it, uh, raising the retirement age is a cut in benefits. And when I hear people say, well, people are living longer, well, you know, as someone who is 74 years old, I think that's a pretty good thing that people are living longer. That doesn't mean there are jobs for those people.
0: And it doesn't and, and mean people the who... The
1: that they're living longer, uh, which is a good thing, doesn't mean that there are jobs or that people can continue working even though their lifespan has been uh, extended uh, over, over the last number of years.
0: A lot of people who work with their hands and who do manual labor and who do operate machinery and do all of these kinds of things are much more impacted by this than, say, somebody sitting in an office, uh, at least that's what some uh, folks think. In other words, you know, by the time you're 66 and you've been operating heavy machinery or doing uh, landscaping or whatever it is, you right. may not be, or building houses, you may no longer be in shape to climb around on and uh, on scaffolding and stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's... That's such an important point. And, you know, I sometimes think that uh, those that talk about raising the retirement age uh, uh, aren't connected to that reality because they don't do that kind of work. And uh, the other uh, uh, thing that has been floated uh, for quite a few years is, well, we can reduce the cost of living adjustment cost of living adjustment is one of the one of the beauties of social security that your check supposedly keeps up with inflation i think the cola the formula for determining the cost of living adjustment is flawed it, it it's good that there is a a cola built into the system but if it shouldn't be uh you can't you you know the last uh, 3 out of the last 10 years the cola was zero Yes. I'm sure you, you're, you've you heard of that.
0: Certainly, we hear about that from folks, yes.
1: And, and the reason it was zero is the formula for determining the COLA is flawed. It looks at, in, the COLA is supposed to measure inflation and make sure your check, uh, Social Security check, does not decrease because of inflation. But the measure uh, that is used is how is inflation affecting a wage earner, which is a whole different uh Uh, idea than how is inflation affecting an older person for example the reason the cola was zero in three out of the last ten or eleven years is the price of gasoline dropped dramatically and there's so much weight put on that price of gasoline that it helped push the cola down to zero seniors aren't using gasoline as much as uh... people that are working they're not going to work and, and home every day not dropping children off at school the formula should, if, it's, if the benefit check of Social Security is supposed to not be impacted negatively by inflation, the formula should look at those kinds of things that seniors rely on and measure inflation on those items and put the proper weight on that market basket of goods and services that seniors rely on, and that's not the case. So the legislation I mentioned that would raise the... Uh, adjust the cap on wages subject to the payroll tax, would also uh, in, institute a, a consumer price index for the elderly that would measure inflation as it affects an older person so that the COLA would be uh, would do what it's supposed to do, keep your check up with inflation as it affects you, not a wage earner.
0: I just ask folks out there, does that not seem reasonable? <laughs> I mean... Uh, what could be more reasonable than that to base the increase on what seniors are actually spending their money on? Um, again, these things seem no-brainers, uh, for, for us not as involved in it, uh, Max, and yet it's so hard to get anything through. You can't even – it's even difficult to get the change in the COLA that would be very slowly improve, uh, improve people's situation.
1: Yeah, it's it's a long-term struggle. You know, I'll tell you, I when I was staff director of the Senate Aging Committee, uh, we were able to get legislation through in in the uh, late 1980s that we tried to get a consumer price index for the elderly put into law, so that the COLA would do what it's supposed to do, which I just talked about. There was opposition to that, but we were able to get what's called uh, an experimental formula. It's never been applied, it's never been uh, implemented, but it was something that is tracked uh, because we were able to put it in as as basically a first step towards getting a fully developed cost of living adjustment based on inflation as it affects the elderly. So we were able to do that when I was staff director of the Senate Aging Committee over 30 years ago and it's it was supposed to be the first step towards implementing a a real uh, effective cola well it's been an experiment for 30 years over 30 years we haven't been able to get to the next step and what i have told congress people that i'm lobbying is i don't have another 30 years to work on this experiment we need we need to get it done sooner than that
0: i know that i think how do we stay optimistic, uh, Max, when situations like that happen? When you you come up with a koala and 30 years later it's still really not in law. It's not really uh, being applied, and it's not guaranteed in the in the future. How do you keep your morale up when? Uh, it The sort of stuff you folks are doing seems to me like, you know, um, this is kind of rolling the rock up the hill only to have it come back down on you and then you have to roll it back up again.
1: Well, you know, we, if you're in this uh, line of work, you, you look at it in the long term and uh, try to keep, you know, put one step in front of the other and hope that we can have some longer-term changes over time and And we have made some uh, we have made some improvements in both social security and Medicare, but we're not we're not nearly uh, where we should be. On Medicare, I, my, my ancient, I should mention that we, we've been lobbying as, it, Medicare is a great program. I have never met a Medicare beneficiary who would be willing to give up their Medicare. They love their Medicare, but it's not perfect. It has caps. It doesn't cover hearing. Dental or vision, which are very important, and I'm hoping that there will be enough support in this Congress to at least begin coverage uh, for hearing, dental, and vision. I, f- I find so many people are waiting to get on Medicare and postponing those uh, needs because they think they assume Medicare will cover it. It does not. I so think they, uh, that would be a big step. If, I think they, if you had at least some coverage for hearing, dental, and vision, and there is growing support for that. Certainly, uh, uh, seniors realize that the cost of, of that kind of care out of pocket often means you don't get it. You don't have proper hearing, which is not just a luxury, it's a safety issue. You don't have proper dental care, which affects nutrition. Uh, and so I think we're going to see, I'm hoping we see some movement in expanding um, that coverage under the Medicare program in the next year and a half.
0: I know people in Arizona who, not only for those programs, but who are waiting for a lot of medical treatment until they get Medicare. Right. They're holding off. They don't have um, support from the places that they work. They don't have a, a program. Um, there's no pensions out here. There's no uh, uh, a very little in the way of pension. There's very little in the way of, uh, of um, uh, insurance from your employer anymore. So th- people wait, and I think that that's dangerous. And of course, you know, if you're in the economic mode, that it, it, it actually adds up cost. Uh, things just get. Uh, it worth but glasses and and hearing aids are extraordinarily expensive and that's another issue we should go into i mean why uh, when every other electronic device has gone down in price for example hearing aids that are used mostly by the elderly not entirely why have they gone up or stayed as high and there needs to be a lot of in investigations investigation into the medical industry as well as improving these programs um, at least
1: that's my take on it. Um, well you make you make you make an excellent point. Uh, one of the ways we have been working on paying for these added benefits is by uh, uh, saving the government money on what it spends and what consumers spend out of pocket on prescription drugs. Uh, as, as you probably know, uh, a, Medicare added a prescription drug plan in 2003. It's Part D of Medicare. And it was the beginning of some coverage for prescription drugs. It was a huge battle. The pharmaceutical industry opposed it. But they were able at the eleventh hour, I was in the gallery when I, in the house when this was debated, and I left about 2 in the morning, apparently at 5 in the morning, a deal was made that, yes, Medicare could have a prescription drug coverage component, but the government was specifically prohibited from negotiating for the best price for prescription drugs with the pharmaceutical industry. So you can imagine who was in the room and that deal was made. Exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare, but that was 2003. We've been trying for the last almost 18 years to change that. And and I think the president uh talked about that in his address to Congress uh recently and I'm hoping that he will put some pressure on um, the Congress to uh have that negotiation issue uh changed. This would save about 400 billion dollars over 10 years. That money could be used to to improve the benefits that we just talked about—hearing, dental, and vision. So that's kind of that's in that's part of our legislative agenda.
0: I was just looking at a statistic uh, before we started the show, which is that nearly nine out of ten people age sixty-five or older receive Social Security benefits. It's really almost everybody, except I think. I don't know what the exceptions are, actually. when I was thinking I had the idea what the exceptions were. Now I'm not sure what the, what the exceptions are, but 9 out of 10 get Social Security. I know that there are people who are in, um, in programs in lieu of Social Security, um, for example, in the California um, educational system. But I don't know where the rest of those, those, that 1% comes from.
1: Right. Well, there are some people that didn't participate for whatever reason. Didn't didn't uh, participate uh, uh, in uh, the program, and there are people who who uh, receive uh, lower Social Security benefits because they were employed usually by uh, as teachers, nurses, and they had uh, had pensions. And even though they also paid into Social Security, their Social Security uh, is reduced because they have its offset it's called a government pension offset and that's a an whole other that's a whole other issue that we've been uh, working on for quite a quite a long time
0: so to sum up the the Biden plan looks extremely good. I mean, I, when I saw the infrastructure plan, it just looked great to me, even though, you know, frankly, as a sort of a realistic, you know, pushing the definition of infrastructure. Although you make a very good case that the, particularly the help for the elderly is infrastructure. Um, and investment in science and stuff is, is infrastructure what happens what happens now the 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 thing is being negotiated you're worried that it's going to be eliminated as as a compromise with the republicans as, or conservative democrats as as part of the plan
1: right that hasn't happened yet but i'm sure there there is a quite a bit of attention focused on this one item because it would eliminating it would uh, Would uh, be a huge step towards reaching a number that is acceptable uh, to Republican negotiators. I'm hoping the president doesn't uh, give in to that, but I'm but I I'm sure there's quite a quite a bit of pressure uh, on the White House to come up with a smaller number than the 400 billion, or just to put it off for another piece of legislation. And that would probably be the end of it for for the foreseeable future, because uh, as a, as a standalone uh, piece of legislation it 's not likely to get uh, any uh, to, to see the light of day anytime soon
0: and that 's the practical reason that it has been inserted into this plan right. plus you know it would actually improve the infrastructure in the in the, the broader sense of the of the plan. So the chances of this passing are are limited, and folks, if you're in favor of it, you should contact, uh, particularly contact our senators, um, Kirsten Sinema and um, uh, uh, Kelly, and um, uh, ask them to support this part of the plan. Um, I don't know what else l- local people do. The, the real thing, folks, is... is is to find out the real facts about Social Security and Medicare, what it does, what it costs, where the money comes from. There is so much misinformation out there. And if the next time somebody says Social Security is going bankrupt in five years, you say, no, no, it's not, because you know the facts, that begins... One on one to reduce some of the misinformation and lack of understanding that's out there, and we have this problem in almost every area, and including uh, something that's important to everyone as Social Security.
1: Yes, Back there on. are there are so many myths about the program that it's broke. There's no money there, just a bunch of IOUs. You know, that that is not helpful to. Uh, uh, thoughtful discussion of the program. I would re- recommend to your audience that they go to our website. Uh, it's, it's used by many members of Congress. It has some excellent uh, information, viewpoints on, uh, on Social Security, Medicare, home care. And the website is ncpssm.org. Or if uh, you want some more information about what we do and how to access uh, our information, we have an 800 number. Easy to remember, it's 1-800-966-1935, the year Social Security became law, 1-800-966-1935.
0: Thank you for being with us, Matt Trishman. We've run out of time. Uh, I do want to thank... uh, both the El Portal Hotel has been a big supporter of, uh, of our station, of our program, um, and of, uh, Democrats of the Red Rocks and the um, the uh, Yavapai Democrats for their support. We really do appreciate this. We're not legally connected with any other organization, but we appreciate their support. Um, there's a lot going on in uh, DOOR. And um, they have a lot of good programs coming up. Um, they're beginning to do, beginning to open up after after COVID. The office, the door office, has opened, and I think they're looking for volunteers to staff the office. It's been closed uh, because of COVID, so that's something you can do. Also, the door website, folks, is a good place to find out about. Issues and talks and stuff. And they have a, they have a great speaker system. They're uh, the speakers, uh, I should say, system, but they have a great series. Uh, they also have a great film series. And the new film is Nomad Land, which is a great movie. Um, I think it won Academy Awards. Anyway, thank you very much, folks, for being with us. We appreciate you listening. Take care of yourselves. Bye bye. <laughs> and listening to Democratic Perspective. Brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats. A weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news right here on AM 780 KAZF. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.